there. Welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. I tried to think what would be some fun stories that aren't too complicated and don't have a ton of emotional baggage associated with them. So last week I told Jonah, and for this week I chose the one where we celebrate a woman for murdering a tyrannical leader because killing the bad guys is cool, right? I hope so. Comic books have led me to believe this is true. I feel the need to give a content warning for some violence, though that's pretty normal for this podcast, I guess, because uh, the Bible actually has a lot of gory stuff. Also, there's not that many words in this episode, and I speak too fast as a general rule, so I'm trying to talk a little more slowly so that this episode will be more than, like, nine minutes long. We'll see. So, um... The most exciting, gory stories are usually in the Book of Judges, in my experience. That's one long story, or set of stories, depending on how you look at it, of the history of Israel basically looking at a bunch of chaotic moments when some people group or other was threatening or oppressing the Israelites. And uh, those stories are often a lot of fun to read, especially if you're reading straight through the Bible, because some of it is really boring lists, but the book of Judges has some action. I told a story from the book of Judges before about Gideon and his impossibly tiny army winning a miraculous victory. I also told some stuff uh, from the book of Samuel, the books of Samuel, I guess, and Kings about the end of that era when the prophet Samuel made Saul the king, and then that went really poorly, and later Samuel also made David the king, and it was just a whole rigmarole, and you should just go listen to the early episodes if you haven't yet. Um, so the narrative in this part of the Old Testament generally goes something like this. There's, there's a pattern, and the pattern is basically this. God is unhappy with the people because they're doing stuff he said not to do, so he sends some other country to attack them. Then they ask God for help, so he sends some leader to lead the people, and God uses that leader to save them, often with miracles. Um, and then they stop doing whatever the thing it was that God was mad at them about, and eventually they start doing it again, and it happens all over again. So, like, that whole push-pull cycle with sending bad guys on purpose because you're upset with people would be a really bad way to parent. But this is a legend from ancient times, and the ancient gods and stories never really get held to the same standard as parents. So I guess we'll just roll with that. We'll just roll with it. We'll just accept it. So in this story from the Old Testament book of Judges, the chosen oppressor du jour was the king of Canaan. He was named Jabin, but he's not really that important to the story, aside from the fact that he owned 900 iron chariots and oppressed the people of Israel for 20 years. Presumably, he could manage that because of the powerful iron chariots. So the king of Canaan was Jabin, but the name you'll really want to remember is Sisera. Sisera was the commander of Jabin's army and the leader of those 900 iron chariots of terror. Um, I was just going to leave that. But apparently not everyone has studied ancient warfare, so my spouse thought I might should explain chariots, so I will do that. Chariots, they were, they were little carts pulled by horses, and they usually gave armies a significant advantage in combat in ancient times. Um, and of course the Bible keeps specify specifying, it's a hard word, the Bible keeps specifying that these are iron chariots. Iron was stronger than some of the other materials used to make chariots, and I think harder to work with. So, like, these were really good chariots. How chariots worked in combat was probably like this. A horse would pull the chariot. It was usually made to be lightweight, and it would generally fit two people. 
one person would drive the chariot, um, you know, controlling the horse, while the other would attack the enemy with a spear or by shooting at them with a bow and arrows. They would move much faster than anyone could move on foot, which is what the most basic soldier in ancient times were, just men on foot with swords or spears, or even possibly just farming tools like um, pitchforks and stuff. Um, and possibly maybe a, a more organized army would have some archers with bows in the back. But the chariot was faster than the ground troops and therefore could avoid enemy attacks while attacking at the same time, especially with the use of ranged weapons like a bow. It was pretty effective, uh, especially if the people you were fighting were not rich enough to have a bunch of chariots, horses, and drivers in their army. Then, of course, once you had the chariots and the power, you could take away the money and possibly food and horses and even people of, any, of anyone who might want to fight you before they could build up their own impressive army as chariots. So you had power, you got more power. That seems to be the case here. It sounds like Cicero would stomp down any uprising before it really got going. The evil ones with power could get even more powerful at the expense of the people they oppressed. So those are the antagonists in this story, King Jabin and Commander Sisera. There's usually a chosen oppressor. Now for the chosen heroes, the protagonists, the main characters. At this time in Israel, a woman was leading Israel and judging cases. Her name was Deborah, and she was a prophet and the judge. Uh, she, she would sit under a palm tree, which was called the Palm Tree of Deborah, and people would come to her for judgment, and she would speak to them for God. So she would settle cases, which is kind of why she was called a judge. But she was really more than a judge. She was, she was just, in general, the leader of the people. And uh, while she was sitting under her palm tree, she called a man named Barack. I think it's pronounced the same as the name of Pres President Barack Obama, but it's a different spelling and obviously not the same guy because, you know, this is an ancient story. So she calls for this Barack and he comes to see her and she says... Uh, hasn't the Lord God commanded you to take the troops to Mount Tabor near the river? And didn't the Lord say that he would lure Sisera so you could fight Sisera's army? And hasn't the Lord promised to give you the victory? She's a prophet, remember? So she gets insider information like this, like God sent her a copy of the message he sent to Barak. And Barak doesn't say, oh, wow, this is totally new information. So I guess he just ignored the message before, which is a thing you aren't supposed to do with messages from God. Uh, you know, you know, see last week with Jonah, for example, but apparently he really didn't want to do it. So he ignored it, maybe hoping he could ignore it until it wasn't an issue anymore, which is very relatable. So he said, I will go if you will go, but if you won't go, I won't go. He told Deborah. I mean, like she's a good leader and he didn't want to go by himself and try to lead by himself which is kind of also relatable. So Deborah's like, fine, I'll go, as if she didn't have anything better to do than babysit a grown adult who's supposed to be leading the army. And she told him, because of your choices, you won't receive the honor of victory. The Lord will give the honor of de defeating Sisera to a woman. Despite the fact that Deborah herself is a woman saying this, I was always told that this was intended to be a shame to Brock. Like, oh, well, he's going to give the victory, the honor to a woman. Like, oh no, a woman will get the glory. How embarrassing for him. Because that's like how the man who told me the story tended to view it. That's why we can't have nice things. Um, but I'm, I don't think it has to be read that way. This could be a really cool story about women in the Bible. If you like women defeating tyrants, which, you know, I kind of do. It's not every day growing up in conservative Christianity that you would get to see women kicking booty and being heroes. So anyway, 
Barak was the commander, and he summoned his army, and Deborah came too, and they went to the top of a mountain near the river, where God had said he would lure Commander Sisera, and then Barak and his men would win the battle. Meanwhile, there's a family staying in tents, distantly related to the Israelites, not too far away from where the battle would be. Then Commander Sisera got word that Barak was leading an army, and Sisera had a bigger army, and besides which he had, have you heard, 900 iron chariots. Piece of cake. So he went ahead and decided to fight Barak's army. It's interesting to me that God told Barak, hey, I'm going to lure Sisera to the river, but actually Barak was both the trap and the bait. Someone wanted to fight Sisera, all they had to do was wait for Sisera to come to them. You would think this is bad tactics from the most important military commander. Letting someone else choose where you fight when you don't have to, it's not smart tactics. What if they have the advantage of high ground? Or they pick terrain specifically because it'd be better for them and worse for you. You know, it's important in realty, location, also important in battle. Well, Cicero just headed out to fight anyhow, because there were people waiting to fight him, and he did have a bigger army, you know, and the chariots. Uh, then Deborah told Barak, move on, for the Lord will hand over your enemies. Hasn't the Lord already gone down in front of you? So they all came down to the mountain to fight, but before they even really started, Sisera's mighty army got a nasty surprise. It had rained, and the river had overflowed, and Sisera's 900 iron chariots all got jammed up in the mud. They didn't know how to fight without their speedy chariots. Instead of being faster, they were much, much slower. The glorious army of 900 fast chariots was stuck in the mud. It's like taking a Charmander, a fire Pokemon, to fight with a Squirtle, a water Pokemon. Chariots are weak to water attacks, I guess. The Nintendo nerds among you will get that. Uh, So it was utter chaos, and the Israelites easily beat them all, defeated the army, every last man. But Sisera, the famous brutal commander of the army that was keeping the entire region under Canaan's control, the mighty leader abandoned his iron chariot and his army and ran away on foot to save his own life. He came to the tents of a family who was at peace with Sisera's country. That family I mentioned a bit ago. He figured he could rely on them for help. A woman named Jael came out to greet him very respectfully. Come in, my lord, don't be afraid. He asked for water because he was thirsty, and she gave him some fresh milk instead and tucked him in with a blanket. Then, having had a chance to be refreshed, he was suddenly exhausted and ready to take a nap. He told Jael, stand at the entrance, and if anyone comes to your tents and asks if a man is here, say no. And then he went to sleep. She knew Sisera had been battling the army of Israel, who were actually her distant relatives, and she was no fool. She knew he hadn't beaten them, not if he was fleeing to her tent on foot looking muddy and bedraggled instead of arriving in his chariot with his army. What were her choices? Take care of a man who had hurt so many people and risk that the army fighting him, who already must have defeated his army, would find him in her home and punish her entire family? Or, hmm... She did not wait at the entrance of the tent so she could lie to Barak and his army. Instead, she took a tent peg, like a spike you'd hammer into the ground, and tie a rope so you could anchor your tent to the ground. She took a tent peg and a hammer, and Cicero was so exhausted he didn't even stir. And she crept up to him and hammered it right into his head, and he died. And when Barak came chasing Cicero, she said, 
Come, I will show you the man you're looking for. And there he was, the leader of an army who had terrorized nations lying dead on the floor in the woman's tent. And so Barak found that his mighty enemy, Commander Sisera, had already been defeated by a woman with a glass of milk and a hammer and a tent peg. But actually, I don't think he was super, like, sexistly mad about it. Like, oh, no, a woman. Because then after that, he and Deborah actually sang this song about how cool Deborah and JL were. And the song went on at length about the military victory and how sad Cicero's mother must be when he was late getting home. And there's, like, an entire verse about how everyone tells Cicero's mother that he's just really busy plundering the people he's conquered and getting nice stuff to bring home. But then the song ends with a prayer for God to destroy all their enemies, just like Jael dis destroyed Cicero. So I'm not really sure they felt that bad for the mom. Um, and then, of course, the song got passed down for thousands of years um and uh the people of israel later soon after destroyed the king of canaan jabin who was sisera's boss and who had been oppressing them and the land was peaceful for 40 years the end but then after that the midianites oppressed the israelites and gideon had to save them but i already told that story back in like episode 14 which was back in january so basically ancient times really long time ago uh, that is all for today. Come back next week for a story about Peter and the disciples after Jesus died and came back to life because my kid Aiden wanted more of the story and by golly, there is more story. I hope you enjoy the story of Deborah and JL. Uh, thanks for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child.